David, how are you? Great, great. So I'm sure you heard of the Rust Belt, right? I have heard of the Rust Belt. Yeah, which is where I was born, grew up, and I guess I currently live in it now, um, which is, the, you know, the steel mill era of, uh, you know, Western Pennsylvania uh, into Ohio and all that. But uh, I was looking in the press, and there's now there's a thing called a brain belt. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I, and I'm living in one. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah. So the, the Akron Chamber of Commerce, I think they get another win in their column. Uh, they'll be getting their <laughs> Christmas bonuses this year. But um, according to Business Insider, Akron is one of 13 brain belts uh, where the smartest people uh, in the world reside. So not to uh, not. I guess. Well, all right. I'll just be plain. I, I'm, I'm surprised to learn that Akron is one of these places. What What is it about Akron that makes it uh, that makes it a uh, in an, an intellectual center. Polymers. It's the future. <laughs> Are you guys do a lot of polymer work out there? Well, actually that was the answer probably 50 years ago, which, you know, uh, <laughs> rubber city, uh, Akron is uh, rubber city. It's the, uh, rubber capital of the world. Um, you know, all the tire manufacturers are, uh, are a good chunk of them are headquartered here and all that. And, uh, but, um, you know, they, they talk about, uh, you know, polymers, polymers, new materials. Uh, you got the University of Akron, Kent State, you know, powerhouses like that are, are here. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I was, I was pleased to see that. And I don't know if you saw the, one of the more recent uh, uh, issues of Vogue magazine, but um, there's also, uh, there's an article that came out that said uh, six reasons that Akron, Ohio should be on your radar. <laughs> Man, the Chamber of Commerce really is earning its keep. I mean, they're, they're on fire. They're on <laughs> fire, I'm telling you. And so there's a quote from uh, uh, Maria Nagel, who's an employee of Lock, Lock 3, which is like one of the uh, things downtown where you see concerts and stuff like that. And they mm -hmm. say that, um, that, it, that it's, well, it's Akron's biggest outdoor music venue. Um, and, and But she describes Akron as a little cooler than Cleveland. It's more avant-garde. So if you had to choose, you go with Akron. Wow. All right. It's, mm -hmm. I'm learning all about uh, Western Ohio now. Um, yep. that's, were, you, were you surprised to learn this? Uh, well, well, I knew that Akron was a little bit more hip than, than Cleveland, but, uh, but it's official, you know, if you read Vogue, Vogue magazine. So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Which is, the, which is the paper of record for all chambers of commerce. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, and... And I probably read it on Pocket, but um, uh, one of the things that's cool with Pocket is they came out with, like, I've been using Pocket for a long time, um, not, you know, to just basically squirrel away articles to read on planes and stuff, but then they had a text-to-speech option that was pretty good, but they just came out with a new version on Android. I don't know if it made it to iOS, but um, it's basically, you could think of it as, like, almost being a podcast application. So for all the articles you have, it will like text to speech them and it's like a, like a podcast app where it'll read them to you. And it's, it's really, really good. Oh, wow. That's, this is definitely a game changer for me. Um, I mean that the only way that I'm able to consume the economist nowadays is, uh, with the, um, the kind of podcast feature of it where they, where they actually read you the articles. Um, yes. I, 
for for whatever reason, the only way I can consume media now is through my ears. I find it very difficult to. I guess I'm spending. I guess I'm using my eyes for uh, email, um, and everything else comes in through my ears at this point. It's um, a little bit too bad. So that's great. Yeah. That's great news. Yeah, and also like for me, it's like if I go for a run or walk my dog or something, it's a a way to get like a lot of reading done without getting hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Yep. That's great. What's so, new with you? Well, we actually saw each other recently, didn't we? Yeah, briefly. Yeah, briefly, last yeah. week. Uh, mm-hmm. I made a guest appearance at uh, this big public sector offsite in uh, Kings Mill up in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. I will admit that I did not plan very well and uh, discovered when I landed in Ronald Reagan Airport uh, that the event was actually three and a half hours away. Oops. Um, so, I well, I got to enjoy a little bit of time by myself. I got to catch up on some podcasts. <laughs> you could think about it. Yeah, you yeah. could reflect on it. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that route on 95 from D.C. to Richmond is nothing if not meditative. And um, uh, But when I got there, uh, I was able to, for the very first time, uh, participate in our my former, your current boss's uh, annual 5K, right, which he is no, ab- nice. uh, about which he is very passionate. Yes. And uh, so it happens early in the morning. And it's very dark out, and it's very cold. And uh, they handed us all visibility lights, like little blinking, in my case, a little blinking blue light. So I said, oh, this is pretty handy. It's getting dark out. You know, now the days are getting uh, shorter. And uh, so I affixed this uh, flashing blue light to my to my shoe. And I realized, mm-hmm. uh, uh, actually, you know what I need is a, I, need a, I need a red light for my other shoe. Uh, so I can be like an airplane, you know, so people right. can know whether I'm coming or going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, Brenda... Um, uh, Paul's uh, Paul's admin was good enough to send me a red light as well. So now I have a blue and a red light on my on my shoes. And every time I go out for a run in the morning, I can now play a hilarious joke that only I get. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So with the with the five k, did you? Uh, uh, this was was this your first one in a work setting, and and how did you feel about it? And were you intimidated at all, or, or how, how did that go? Great question. Uh, this was my first group. I've never done this as a in a group setting before. I'd only been doing yes. this on my own, and so I was curious to see what it would be like. And actually, it was super fun. Like, I got to run with uh, got to run with some coworkers and colleagues, and um, uh, I was actually able to carry on conversations during the run, um, which I was very proud of. Coughing and yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so my buddy Will Cordis, who is a he's a tall man. Um, I think it's fair to say Will is a, Will's a tall guy. So Big he and story. I, he and I were kind yeah. of buddies, uh, on this run and, uh, he was, you know, we were talking about work and stuff and he's a little bit winded. And then, uh, out of nowhere, he's like, all right, I'm going to drain the tank. I'll see you later. And then pow, he just takes off for the last mile. Um, uh, I think I got sandbagged. I think I got hustled wow. by that guy. Um, but uh, no, it was good. It was good. It was, it's a, uh, it's a fun to run as a group. Um, uh, and, I. Uh, it was nice just to have the camaraderie, um, and I didn't feel any kind of competitive pull at all, so that was nice too. So nice, nice. Yep, that was good. Um, I also got to enjoy my combination Tom Bin TriStar and Daylight uh, uh, the briefcase. Um, yeah, this combination is working out very well for me indeed. Um, uh, the Daylight briefcase is now my everyday kind of carry bag, and I, it can be secreted inside the uh, TriStar. And mm-hmm. the TriStar is just fantastic. Um, it can fit under seats uh, when it has to. It can go in the overheads. Uh, no wheels to worry about. Um, when I need to uh, walk a long distance, I just throw the backpack straps on and off I go. I, I'm just really loving this bag. I'm loving it. 
Wow. So, so the normal way you carry it is just over one shoulder and, and, um, or how, how, what's a normal mode of transport for it? Could do. I find I'm, I find I'm favoring the backpack part of it, and then just as I board the plane, I stuff the backpack straps back in their little cubby, mm -hmm. uh, zip everything up, and then and then from there it's just a regular. Uh, it's you know the size and uh, dimensions of a rollerboard, so um, I can just slip it up in the uh, in the overhead. Um, mm -hmm. You know, pull my tablet out, pull my your headphones out, and uh, and I'm off to the races. It's uh, it's great. It's made a. Uh, I didn't think I could improve on my uh, extensive travel rituals, um, but this has mm -hmm. definitely improved on my extensive travel rituals. So I'm very pleased. Cool. Yeah, that's been great. Um, I can also, speaking of travel rituals, I can strongly endorse uh, the Hyatt at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport as a venue. Um, hmm. So if you've got a, me a meeting, if you've got customers you want to entertain, if you've got a internal strategy sessions you want to run, do it at the Hyatt. Because here's the great thing about the Hyatt. You fly into DFW Airport, you take the uh, the delightful air train monorail mm -hmm. um, out mm -hmm. to uh, gate D22, and then you walk out of security, and you are in the lobby of the Hyatt. And then oh. when you're done with your meeting, you walk out and get on the air train and go to your gate. It is perfect. You don't really get to go outside so much, but, uh, right. you know, it is Dallas after all. So um, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it reminds me of the Marriott in Philly. Um, Philly airport. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, strongly endorsed the Hyatt at the, uh, at DFW. And, uh, uh, unfortunately at the end of that trip, uh, uh, I did contract food poisoning, which is bad news. Good news is that it didn't actually hit me until I had landed in Austin and was home. Uh, oh. so I didn't get the food poisoning while actually in the air, which was great. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. it was a rough, that was a rough night. That was a rough night. Yeah, you know, it's even to be all pressurized and depressurized when you're sick is just not fun. Yeah, and then nobody wants to puke in an airplane toilet. No. No. Nope. No. Nobody wants to fly with somebody puking in an airplane toilet. <laughs> that's, that's also true. That's also true. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Dave? Yeah, so we, we're going to be talking about Game Boys and your medical devices, uh, Unicode and your domain names, cryptocurrency miners in your browser, and commercial software in your national security systems. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. And uh, and if folks want, uh, <laughs> the title of this episode is Dad Bag, uh, about which mm -hmm. more in a second. But uh, if folks want to see this Dad Bag that we're about to talk about, what website should they go visit? Uh, they should avert their eyes first and. <laughs> Uh, go to dgshow.org, so D's and Dave, G's and Gunner Show.org. Very nice, very nice. And uh, let's see, on the cutting room floor uh, this week, mm -hmm. we've got uh, robots wielding nunchucks, mm -hmm. uh, earbud detangling spray, that sounds pretty handy, and then mm -hmm. uh, uh, Greek philosopher or ailment, that's a quiz, uh, mm -hmm. and then uh, the aforementioned dad bag. Yes, yes, you've been warned. The dad bag is not... That is not for the faint of heart or for folks who have recently had food poisoning. It is. <laughs> I don't exactly. Really yeah. yeah, that's bad. Anyway. All right. So wh where are we in pacemaker news this week? Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the, uh, um, you know, pacemaker vulnerabilities and all that. So now there is it's actually uh, 465,000 patients have been told to go to their doctor to get patched um, with uh, with their pacemaker. So check with your doctor. So we talked about it in the past, and it's it's you know you want to get get that checked out. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. 
Yeah. Although it is nice yeah. to know that one's body can be field upgradable. That's that's that is nice. Yes, exactly. Well, hopefully by the right people. But <laughs> yeah. 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 And and speaking of medical news, um, there was um there's an article I saw that was pretty interesting where uh somebody popped open a medical device and found a Game Boy Game Boy Advance inside of it, driving it as the display. Whoa. Yes. So I guess that's surprising on one level, but on the other hand, like I'm sure that Nintendo is heavily subsidizing the Game Boys because they want to make right. money on the games themselves, right? Um, yes. So it makes perfect sense to, like, hey, if Nintendo's going to give me a deal on a, on a processor and an LCD screen, like, what, why not, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, like, you could see the pictures in the show notes where they, they did the teardown, and you could see it says uh, Game Boy Advance uh, written on it, and then uh, the device was manufactured around the year 2000, uh, and that's back in the day when you could think about things like the LCD manufacturing quality and cost, like you said, uh, was you know just driving things. But if you could do it all with something that has been uh, arguably robust that kids can throw around and all that, um, and for a good price uh, and high speed and high quality, uh, might as well go with it. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I just admire the engineer who had to pitch that in a meeting. Um, and had to say with a straight face, like, this is the best source of, for this component. Uh, yes. Game Boy, I promise. So, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, Unicode. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know how, like, you go to, um, you click on a link or, or you see a link in your in HTML and you click on it and then it says, like, oh, it's apple.com and then it's, like, uh, SSL and all that, but... They may have um, changed the L and Apple to like a number one or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And um, so what? there's a new attack that's going on that uh, keep in mind for us English speakers that um, you could also do URLs in Unicode, which is all kinds of other alphabets and characters and things like that. And so uh, as an example... Um, I put it in the show notes. If in it, if you do it with Chrome, it's it's it should fail. Uh, but I just did this in Firefox in the latest Firefox ESR, and it actually worked. But it's this crazy looking URL. But if you click on it, it will take you to um, Apple.com, um, and it looks it has the green um, you know lock saying that this is an extended validation certificate and all that. But um, the website says that, no, this really isn't Apple.com. This is a proof of concept and everything. And the way it worked was that um, they changed the, um, I, I think in this case, they changed the like the P uh, in Apple to be like the Cyrillic uh, P oh, instead of like sure. the English P. Um, so visually, it doesn't look... Uh, you know, it like to the human eye, it doesn't look that way at all. And so you can imagine for a lot of people, it's like they just randomly click, click on links where we may be a little bit more scrutinizing and we look at links and like a phishing attempt and, oh, this is a Google login page and it says google.com and it's a green padlock. So, you know, unless my DNS has been compromised, I should be good to go. But that's actually not the case if you are um, using say Firefox, uh, and, and it will actually be bad. So I don't know if you have a browser handy and want to try that and see if that, if that works for you. I do. Unfortunately, I've got Chrome open now. So you're, but you're telling me Chrome is smart enough to not let you get away with this, right? Yeah. Tell me what it says. Okay. All right. Here we go. 
I'm clicking, I'm clicking. Uh, oh, no, it just doesn't do the translation at all. It just, uh, it's it shows that crazy-looking URL verbatim. It doesn't try and turn it into uh, okay. any code characters. Yeah, yeah, but it does take you to that, that page saying that, hey, this isn't a trick and all that. It does, And yeah. Yep. And whereas for me, if I look at the, if I look at the, uh, I do it on Firefox here, and then it, it says apple.com. Um, and wow. so it's, it's amazing. Wow. That's a terrible idea. Um, you know what else I learned about Unicode this week? Uh, yeah. You know those, uh, those family uh, images in Unicode? Or those Unicode characters? Um, you know, so there's one with like the mom and the dad and the kid, and the mom and the dad and the boy and the girl, and the mom and the dad and the boy and the boy. Um, here's what I learned today is those are ligatures, which is to yeah. say you can go in and, and uh, in JavaScript you could actually say family minus boy and it will show you family and only the girl. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. Yeah, and and this is not emoji. This is like Unicode characters. Uh, I presume so. Or oh, uh, I guess. Well, no, you're right. Maybe it is emoji. Anyway, the the idea that they could be ligatures just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a reply all episode. I I think it was reply. I all. was going to mention that. Yeah, it was reply all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, where they were trying to get, like, the meditation emoji through, uh, like, how a bill becomes a law emoji sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was great. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, let's see here. Coinhive. Yes. That sounds yes. like a condition. What is that? <laughs> right. Is it, is it a Greek philosopher or is it an ailment? <laughs> um, yes, you decide. So um, do you like ads in your browser experience? Not particularly, no. Yeah. Do you, do you use an ad blocker? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so for a lot of, you know, so I, and I think that people are wondering, it's like, what's going to happen as more and more people do ad blockers, um, is that the ad model of, for like news content and things like that, is that a long-term sustainable thing? And there's a company that came out called CoinHive that's like, well, Hey, maybe instead of doing, uh, you know, putting ads on people's pages um, and possibly having like malicious material and things like that. Wouldn't it be great that as long as you were having that page loaded, it could, CoinHive could also, you could put a little bit of JavaScript of CoinHive in there that will mine Monero while you're on that page. So while you're visiting the page, you're mining Monero and you're basically, your CPU cycles will pay the uh, the website provider um, essentially for uh, the content instead of uh, bombarding you with ads. I see. So the idea is that by visiting the page, it launches a program, invisible to me, that will yes. uh, provide the website publisher with magic beans. Exactly. Yeah, okay. and it's, it's all JavaScript. It's not downloading an executable. Um, and then for, like... So the company CoinHive makes this, and then for the content provider, um, you run this on your your web server, and it'll you know shoot down the the mining. So you're not doing the mining as mm-hmm. the content provider. Right. You're just providing the JavaScript down, and then uh, you keep seventy percent of the Monero, and uh, CoinHive gets thirty uh, percent for their trouble. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why they. Oh, as the publisher, you take seventy percent. Okay, got it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, huh. Uh, do I 
I guess, do you care if somebody's um, kind of hijacking cycles from your machine without your permission? Yeah. Like, do you think it's a fair deal? With, is uh, that a fair exchange? Well, so I like the fact that there is a real benefit from it as opposed to like an autoplay video that, that I would otherwise be inflicted on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. would otherwise be inflicted on me. So if the, if the trade-off is between, okay, well, listen, either we're going to be making you mine Monero for 20, uh, two and a half seconds, or I'm going to show you this autoplay video um, of, a, of a family running through, the, running through a meadow um, to sell a car, well, I guess I would rather be the Monero, right? Yeah. Um, because I don't, because that's much less intrusive, well, at least for for me. I mean, um, if there's one thing that I probably have too much of, it's CPU cycles, right? Like I'm not using, exactly. yeah, I'm yeah, not using that stuff. yeah, yeah. And think about you know on like all these mobile devices and stuff like that. It would be you know that sitting there idle uh, while you're looking at your browser, and there's probably a core laying there that could do something. You know, well, why not? actually, you just mentioned mobile devices, and now I have a problem because now I'm thinking like. Somebody battery, battery, right? Somebody's taking yeah. a meaningful amount of battery life out of me, but clever anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, like to me, it's like I read it and I'm like, oh, they solved the problem. But that brings us to the Dave and Gunner term of the week. All right, I'm ready. Crypto jacking. Ah, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, that is the technique. That it sounds like the um, the negative way to describe what what we were just talking about, but. What's happening is that malware developers are using CoinHive in like all over the place now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like like people are doing like typo squatted domains. Like if you go to like twitter.com.com, um, and I don't know if this has been fixed yet, but it would actually launch uh, CoinHive while you're sitting there. So even if you are there for like two seconds, it would you know kick you out. The other thing is that um, there are other sites that are uh, mining Monero like uh, Showtime, you know, like the the cable uh, uh, premium channel. Um, When you would go to the Showtime website, you would be mining Monero while you're sitting on the website. So think about that. Like if you're watching like a a full-length movie or something, you're mining Monero the whole time you're watching the movie. Um, So, and, and I still have not seen the press yet as to whether... Showtime has confirmed or denied whether they intentionally did that or a hacker did that. Right. Um, yeah. And so the the thing there, and then there is also another company that came out that, remember we talked about the 70-30 split where, where you keep 70% of the Monero? Mm-hmm. There's another outfit that's like, oh, well, you get to keep 85%. And so then it becomes this race to the bottom in terms of who has the best deal of, of crypto mining. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then also I think it was Pirate Bay was they were doing uh, mining without telling people. So you would uh, you would go to their website to you know download you know suspicious things, and people were worried that you know Pirate Bay was serving up mal malvertising and all that. And so um, you know it's like, well, why don't we mine cryptocurrency instead and and put our uh, patrons at less risk by um, uh, by just mining software, um, so anyhow, that's that's what's going on there. But yeah, and so I have a, I wonder if this is going to survive long term, uh, where um, you know instead of doing like um, ransomware, mm-hmm. uh, you you actually you know that that the cyber criminals are going to get into, um, you know, 
in the same way that you would get an ad, why couldn't they just squirt down, uh, you know, in an ad network, uh, squirt down this coin hive and you'd be mining whether you're on their site or not? But what, uh, I guess I'm wondering is that does this introduce, I don't understand the economics of this stuff at all, but I'm guessing that if you suddenly had an endless font of Monero, um, you would actually suffer for inflation, wouldn't you? Um, because now there's suddenly there's a lot more Monero and the actual value of Monero would go down. Uh, like in the case of Bitcoin, as over time, the number of Bitcoins that get mined gets smaller and smaller. And so the reward gets smaller in terms of Bitcoin. But the thought is that the value of the price per Bitcoin would go up because right. it's more scarce. Right. Yeah. All right. But and and so I, you know, I've been this has been going on for the past week or so in the press. And and I was like, like. Uh, to me, it's like if I'm like looking at an article and I, um, you know, I look at the article and then I leave and I'm on the web page for like 30 seconds and they get 30 seconds worth of mining out of me. That's cool. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. But what about like having tabs that you have up all the time? Like whether it's, you know, again, like Netflix, if you're watching a movie for two hours or if it's yeah. your Gmail tab. Yeah. Or, you know, Feedly or something like that, where it's like you may have, you know, like you don't want it to, you know, if you have 10 tabs up and you got 10 cores, like, you know, just mining, that would be crazy. Yeah. Well, and, you, and, and your your own laptop's CPU becomes subject to a commons problem, right? Where um, if every tab, I mean, I'm telling you that if every tab I had open was also mining, um, my battery wouldn't last very long at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I probably got 30, 40 tabs open at a given time, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you may have one that you forgot about and yeah. that just be, you know, like a CNN tab that is just sitting there mining forever. And it's like, ah, dang it. Um, yeah. yeah. And the other interesting thing, too, is that people are being very surreptitious about it, where it's like if you go to a tab that has CoinHive on it or whatever competing alternative, you can actually set a um, basically a nice value to it. So it's not totally pegging the CPU. Like you could set it up to be like mining just enough so it doesn't get noticed to be a problem. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, another kind of, another kind of pleasant side effect of this would be encouraging websites to be publishing long form, uh, long form articles, um, which is a goodness, right? So mm-hmm. rather than these like quick hit Buzzfeedy, um, be there for yeah, five seconds. Probably. Yeah, content. the publishers would be incented to, like, no, 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 come here, hang out for 45 minutes and read this, you know, 20,000-word essay on thus and such. That might be nice. Yep. Where I'd pump it in the pocket and then listen to it. Well, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you have the, the pocket people mining me. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So right, it'll now. be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, that will be interesting. Um, all right, what's going on with Symantec? Yeah, so here uh, here's some gunner bait. Um, so um, Symantec CEO, there were two separate articles I saw where um, Symantec CEO, uh, he says, get commercial software off national security systems. And he says that the biggest security vulnerability in the U.S. national security computer systems may be the commercial software that they're built on. So essentially saying that um, if it's off-the-shelf software, it should not be in national security systems. Uh, okay. I, and it should, I already, it's better to be custom-written software. 
Uh, right, because the government is famous for hiring coding, like high order coding ninjas. Like, what's his? Like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure how a limited set of government hired developers is automatically going to have, produce higher quality code than commercial than uh, than commercial vendors. I'm not sure why that's true. Well, he's not claiming uh, quality, higher quality code. What he's saying is that if like everybody's running Windows, everybody's attacking Windows. So oh, people I shouldn't see. run Windows. You should run some weird security through obscurity, you know, yeah. Plan Nine or something that that the government wrote that is only runs inside of missiles. Right. That sounds very efficient. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. insane. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah. And and he he got some blowback for it and he responded yeah, to the criticism saying that the wisdom of the crowd style vetting that consumer software receives is very useful for consumers who for the most part aren't being targeted by extremely talented nation state backed hacking groups looking for any possible opening. <sighs> All right. So, you know, that he also said that People are better off relying on custom systems that adversaries can't tinker with. Right, right, because that's it. Um, he's well, he's just wrong. He's wrong. Yeah. He's wrong in theory. He's wrong hypothetically. He's wrong as a practical matter. Um, this argument has no merit. Yeah. What what does semantic do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they uh, they uh, they they scan for vulnerabilities, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> antivirus software and stuff like that yeah. yeah they're off the shelf right yeah and in fact that's right and they are themselves commercial software yeah uh yeah that's ridiculous yeah um so i got another one. Oh, okay yeah so uh he also said that uh, another article he said that that uh source code reviews pose an unacceptable risk so <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So he he's saying that uh he well with the all the Kaspersky news and you know letting one government see the source code to something else and all that he said that Symantec is no longer allowing governments to review the source code of its software because of fears of agreements would compromise the security of products. That is ridiculous. That makes no sense. Um so his idea is that we should write custom software and have no review of that software, and that way we'll be sh and that way we'll be perfectly safe. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's well. It's it's a security through obscurity, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because because uh, the worst thing you can do when you're writing software is learn how to improve it. You never ever want that to happen. That's a security risk. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, and then and what was interesting too is that they're talking about in this article the, a potential of a balkanization of um, uh, you know, it's like only Kaspersky will sell to Russia and its allies, and you know, only Symantec will sell to U.S. and its allies, and not sell to Russia and all that. And um, if you're not going to be having your your source code available for review, and maybe to be fair to Symantec, um, if you have proprietary code, sharing it with a select number of people that may be that may have an intelligence apparatus that wants to do other users harm and limiting the review to those people um 
maybe that is a bad idea, right? Yeah. You know, yep. so like if if they give the source code to a particular country and then that country they look at it and they find flaws, they may not feel obligated to tell Symantec. Um, right. And they may not tell them, and they may use it for their own purposes. Yes. But yeah. is there another? Is there a better way? So I'd answer it this way: um, code reviews, uh, disclosure, um, and the widespread use of commercial software is, on balance, better than any other alternative. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say commercial software, I mean either proprietary or open source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that uh, only by writing custom software, it, it, put it this way, if the only solution is to have custom software that is never reviewed and that is the only way to stay safe, then what you're betting on is that your developers will be perfect the first time uh, without having had the opportunity for any external scrutiny, um, which is like super dangerous. Like I don't know any other industry that would put up with that. Yeah, and your adversaries will never, ever get your source code. That's right. That'll never happen. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. <sighs> so what about open source? Like, like to me, I think open source is on the other end of the spectrum here. Like, what if, what if Russia gets a copy of the RHEL source code? Yeah. The, does, Russia, does Russia that ever happen? Yeah, the Russia has a copy of the RHEL source code. <laughs> Everybody does. Everybody's got yeah. a copy of the RHEL source code. I mean, that's the whole yeah. point. It's like, is by having a... You take the. You, it is a calculated risk that by um, exposing the code to as many people as possible, you are actually going to fix more bugs than are discovered. Um, right. It, it creates a financial incentive. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I, so I'm having problems even walking through this argument just because it is so. It's so ridiculous on its face that I. I I'm just exhausted thinking about it. Um, it it's a little right. bit. It's a little bit like you stepped out of a time machine from, like, say, 1953. Um, yeah. Because I mean, there's a plenty of there's plenty of research and um, and plenty of study that's gone into this topic. And like, this has been this was resolved a very long time ago. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <sighs> All right. Well, let's let's close on a lighter note. Uh, okay. Thought experiment here. All right. So, um, you, you, let's say you're in DFW, right. And, and your flight gets canceled. Um, would you walk over to a kiosk to do a video conference with a customer service rep? Um, if the line was shorter than talking to a real rep and so, so, you know, my tactic, right? If the flight gets canceled, you immediately stand in line and get on the phone at the same time. Yes. Yes. And that way. Uh, one of them will happen first, right? Um, yep. That's the that's the fastest way to, to resolution. Um, I guess the video chat. I mean, I don't know. It's a, I got. Why would you provide a video chat though? I guess that's what's confusing to me because they already provide like the courtesy telephones. And I, what is the idea behind the video chat that you're going to be more or less likely to get upset, or if it's like a better overall customer experience. I don't, it, it just seems like, um, like I don't, if I'm, if my flight's delayed, I don't want to feel like I'm in a Kubrick film. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I just want right. to, like, I just want to resolve the problem. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I think it's more of a, like part of it is, I think what, if you look at what the problem is, is like what you said is right now with airlines cutting costs, 
um, there isn't like a wealth of gate agents that are standing around waiting to help you. There's a bank right. of telephones, if yeah. anything. And yeah. like I've been in many times on American, I've had like I would go to another gate and they would be like, no, I can't help you. I'm not allowed to help you. I can't even print out a boarding pass. Oh, yeah. I um, love that answer. Yeah. And and so and that's like after I've been on hold, like I would be in line. And then, like you said, you're on you're on hold. You're in line. And then you finally get to the front of the line, you hang up, and then they tell you that they can't help you. You know, it's like stuff like that. And so you get frustrated. And so you can't talk to a human. Um, there's a phone bank and, you know, you're waiting on hold at this phone bank. But to me, it's like I don't even use the phone banks. I just use my cell phone and I could walk around or sit wherever I want or find someplace quiet. Right. So if it's a choice between me talking on the telephone on my own phone wherever I want, or standing in line to do a video conference with somebody, I would right. rather do the telephone. Yes, yeah. Well, that's why I say, like, if depending on the line, right, if I see that there's one person in line in front of me, I have a better chance yes. maybe at getting on the phone. But yeah, anyway. I, but even then, you do, the, you do the video chat, and you may be, you may, there may not be anybody physically in line in front of you, but, it, you know, you pick the, the, the receiver up, and then you would have... Um, uh, you know, it may be a 10 minute wait yeah. to get yeah, like yeah, somebody yeah. on the other end. Yeah, that's right. This seems like this is solving a real estate problem for, for Delta, right? Where they can't actually set up a kiosk with four people and they can never have the right four people in the right part of the terminal um, when a flight gets canceled. And so having these kiosks available means that they can offer a human to help you no matter where the problem is happening. So in that sense, I guess it might be better. Um, but also that's why God invented telephones. Right. Right. And I think there's the assumption that, um, everybody, or at least you and me, it's like everybody has a, a cell phone, uh, like regular travelers and right. that, and you know, they seem to be ubiquitous and you don't have, you have infinite minutes and you can be on hold for a long time. Yep. Um, Oh, yeah. I just thought of another advantage. Actually, you could offer a number of language options. Um, which, but again, you can do that on a telephone too. So I don't know, man, right. I, th this is okay. It's cool. You get to live in a Kubrick film if your flight gets delayed on Delta. Okay, great. Yeah. To yeah. me, again, I'm using a telephone and sometimes there's like an elite line, which in theory may put you ahead of other people or get you a more, one of the more veteran, uh, support yep. people yep. Uh, yep. that that know how to like make things happen. Well, that's right. You put a red carpet down and you put a velvet rope up in front of one of those kiosks and I'm all in, right? That's yeah, right, right. Exactly. They give you uh, peanuts and stuff. Yeah, you, <laughs> you wait. It, it pops out of the little chute. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Dave, what a treat to spend some time with you this week. I hear you. Yeah, it's this is a, a great way to close the week out, and it's I know that um, it's it's great to get another episode out, and I know a lot of people at Kingsmill were asking. I don't know about you, but they were asking uh, when we we're going to do one. So here you have it. Here you have it. All right. Well, Dave, uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, but before, but for oh. people to go and see that dad bag, where where do they got to go? Uh, for people to not see the dad bag, uh, they should go to. Uh, DG they should Show. not go to. Should not go to. DGshow.org. Uh, that's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, uh, show.org. All right. Well, great, Gunner. Well, thanks uh, for 
doing this, and we'll catch everybody next time. All right. Thanks, everyone.